watched Tenet on I watched Tenet on Christmas night with my neighbor, and my feeling about it was like I don't I already don't particularly like Christopher Nolan's movies, but he's a guy getting two hundred and fifty million dollars to making original movies, so like I want to see it. I want to check in. Exactly. And yeah. I expected at the very least for there to be spectacle that I thought was yes. engaging yes. and like eye popping and there was not. Cuz what you had heard, what you heard, what you heard about the movie was it doesn't make sense, but it's like kind of cool to look at. Like that's what I had But heard. it wasn't. So and for, it wasn't and from the trailer which is like them driving the boat and like you know you you kind of get the idea it's going to be like you know, like a bunch of beautiful, ominous things, but like that don't really make sense if you think about them, but are like fun. And I was like, oh, I, oh great. I'm so excited for this. And movie. I couldn't help but think the entire, almost the entire time I was watching it was, I couldn't help but think this is one of the most sexless movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and they don't mean literal sex. I just mean... It was like a movie for people who just don't want to be aroused in any way. It was totally flat. It was, I mean, incomprehensible at times, which was supposed to be intentional, but just contributed to the flatness of the movie. And then it had sexy leads who were in no way behaving sexily or doing anything remotely other than being one note and flat. And I spent like... I watched like some of Miami Vice again today, which is just such a fucking <laughs> banger of a movie. It's so much fun. And it's like so sexy. Like it's Colin Farrell and Jamie Foxx out of nowhere. There's a sex scene with Jamie Foxx in the shower and it's hot. It's like, and, and, and the action scenes are hot and they're provocative in a way. And like this movie is like the whole movie. You're just going like do something arousing. Like, arouse my interest, <laughs> titillate me in some way. It tit- titillate well, me intellectually. It's... But even when I tried to get onto an intellectual level with the movie, I was like, this is just a puzzle. Oh my God, well, that's This like... is just a puzzle piece for people who obsess about plot. Who fucking cares about plot in a movie? It's literally the most boring part of a movie is plot, right? Like... And you would think, I mean, this is what I was saying. I was thinking based on just Inception, like having seen Inception, like, yeah, okay, a lot of the stuff in Inception doesn't make sense, but it's like propulsive and it's interesting to look, like, it's interesting to look at, like the city bending over top of you. And it's like, you don't need to watch Inception like a million times, but seeing it once is like, yeah, it's fun. Like that was at least the level I was expecting of. Tenet. Agree. But it was like, every everything was drab to look yep. at. Every, like you're saying, nobody had any affect. Like Elizabeth Debicki, I find Elizabeth Debicki really yep. hot, but like she's not doing shit in this you're movie. Absolutely, no one she's had just like, any affect whatsoever. There was no moment where you're like, "There's a character." Like even the line readings, like the like the, of protagonist, like that, whose name is protagonist, and like oh, why, God. why do they keep talking about protagonists in in the movie? Like it would be one thing if just in the script and it was kind of a joke that his name is protagonist, but no, it's t- discussed on the screen many because times. Because Nolan is a humorless fuck. He's like a humorless guy who's really far up his own ass, and so the whole idea is that like. Oh, this is a movie about movies. This is a movie about plot, right? So everything is going to be discussing, you know, the the different machinations and the puzzles of what a plot can be. And it's like, bro, who the fuck cares? Like, again, there is no substance to plot. 
That is not like the human condition. That is not how we learn. That is not art. That is just the frame with which you you do the more interesting things. It's the frame in which you contain characters and emotions and story. Plot is nothing. I know it's got this concept of like backwards time stuff, which I would say it handles in like the most insane way you could possibly handle it. But it's like kind of fun and interesting. And there is, I will say like that first sequence in the opera house has some fun action stuff in it. Some, not enough though. Some. No, not nearly enough. But what what I liked about it as the beginning of the movie is I thought this was a taste of how crazy things were going to get later, but they never fucking really do. I mean, there is like a big action sequence and there's a big heist sequence. Like the movie goes from introducing the plot of an airplane, an airport hangar heist involving driving an airplane into something and then does the heist like five minutes later and then it's over with and it's like it and then it just goes on and has more action sequences like that could be a whole film you know just planning this like um, there are like airport heist. there are so many moments in the movie but it where just happens like, and it, it doesn't matter you yeah know? there are so many moments in the movie where you're like oh sick here comes a set piece and then it's it's suddenly exactly. over and you're like wait what what happened to the set piece i thought that was going to be fun and then you realize and the, like the big like the climactic like fight like when this crazy with these future and past armies like working together to fight a different army and there's buildings blowing up and falling down like that should be like a complete over-the-top orgy of like crazy mind-bending stuff but mostly it just sucks yeah. <laughs> like everything's brown everything's black you can't tell who's supposed to be future and who's supposed to be past and like what the fuck is happening like it's just kind of boring couldn't couldn't agree more and there was no sex <laughs> There was no sex, yeah. I mean, they talk about sex, like, occasionally. Like, we haven't even talked about Kenneth Branagh being, like... Dude, I will say, after Wild Wild West, to hire Kenneth Branagh to do a crazy accent and be the bad guy in your big-budget action movie is, like... It's, like, a big risk. And I think he's 0 for 2 on this. Like, he sucks. He fucking sucks at doing He does suck, but at the very least, he was doing something. Right, because like nobody. Yeah. I mean, this is the kind of movie where like Robert Pattinson's tie was like slightly askew, askew at one point, and I was like, and I was like, whoa, check out his tie, that's cool, wow, what's going on here? Because <laughs> I was like so desperate for something off, like a little off the mark to look at, you yeah, know? Right. Because yeah, yeah, there's just no humanity in the movie whatsoever. And I do think Kenneth Branagh like. You know, normally you wouldn't talk about this with a male actor, but I do think it, he was being kind of courageous with his, like, showing his body because he's not, like, in the best shape, and he's like, I got his shirt off kind of a lot in the movie, and he, like, doesn't look great. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's actually pretty cool that he's doing that, you know, making himself vulnerable in this way for this movie. I love that it's become, it's become like, okay or cool again to have for the villains to be Russian. It's so fucking it's dumb. So it's dumb, so dumb, but it's like, dumb. it was like, it can't be Arabs anymore because that's racist, but it can be Russian yeah, right. because they're white. Because they hacked the election, yeah. baby. Because <laughs> everybody, we all agree the Russians are bad, right? I mean, um, I was, I, you know, I, I got perpetually more drunk throughout Tenet, so I got belligerent <laughs> like halfway through. And I was so, I was just getting really mad at the movie. And I, and the thing is, is that like, I think someone would hear me say that and they'd be like, oh, it didn't make sense to you. And that was the least of my problems with the movie. Yeah, I did right. not care that it didn't make sense. I cared that nothing looked fun. 
No action sequence looked fun. No bit of dialogue yeah. looked fun. No boat drive. Like, nothing looked fun. It looked painfully boring over and over. Like, there's that whole action sequence or, like, sequence where, the, where they're on those, like, weird speed sailboats, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again. Which should be, like, amazing. That's, like, Thomas Crown Affair yeah. stuff. Like, that should be, like, thrilling to see, you know? And it was not. And it just kind of sucks, yeah. you know? My main takeaway from that scene was I said to Catherine, like, is is that really how those boats work? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> that it. Was... And, I, you know, someone said this. I think Will Meneker said this in his letterbox about Tenet, which I, 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 I don't think I've articulated because I think I've always never... He's con- because he's considered such a great director. I've never really like felt comfortable or even really thought of how poorly shot some of his stuff is. But the guy oh doesn't God, know yeah. how to shoot or cut a fight or action sequence. <laughs> like he actually doesn't. Because I I remember when I first saw Batman Begins, being kind of like these fight sequences suck, these aren't good. And like what worked so well about about the Dark Knight were the things that he stole from Heat, you know, like the shot of the 18-wheeler barreling down the street and the sort of propulsive aspects of the music, like, and these these kind of, like, long takes. that Those were all stolen from Michael Mann, and they work fine in The Dark Knight, but I've never really seen a shootout or a fight scene in one of his movies that um, I thought was was well done. It's just done in this very like presentational, big budget Hollywood way, but it, it's with a little bit of like where you can't tell what the fuck is happening, like at like literally at all, you can't tell what is happening. Which is you not know? a good fight but, scene. Like, that is no, it's awful. It's awful. But that is kind of like the house style of a lot of things these days. But he's not sh- like is this kind of he shouldn't be the house style, right? I mean, he's considered know, one I of know, the great. I know, I know he's supposed to be a great yeah. artist, right? Yeah. No, I hated. I hated how much. I'm just. I'm keep thinking of the scene at the the very end of the movie, the climax, where they've got the the device in the silo, God. which is like, of course, that's where the fucking end of the action inside of the silo is where the movie ends. Like, and it's just shot so like, yeah, it's shot like Tomorrow Never Dies or something like that. You know, it doesn't look like you're watching some kind of artistic director's mind bending science fiction film. It's like you're watching like C-level Pierce Brosnan and James Bond. Exactly. Um, and so even the moments of the movie that are supposed to be fun, that on paper sound fun, are not directed to be fun. And then in between that, there's no wit and there's no sexuality. There's no sensuality. Like, what do you go? What am I watching a two hundred million dollar movie for? You know, which it's two and a half hours yeah. long. I mean, if I'm gonna watch a two and a half hour big budget movie, like big big budget movie. It either better be like the like you know, I mean even if I think of a big budget drama that was made in the last thirty years, I think of something like The Aviator, right? That's a drama that doesn't have action sequences. You know, The Aviator is really sexy and it's really funny and it's beautiful to look at and it's also really dark and 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 it's got like a lot of characters yes, it's too, got, you know, who have characters. like distinct personalities, you know? Yeah. And like funny things happen to those characters based on their traits, you know, like, and the sort of cast changes over time. Yeah. And whereas this movie has three characters and they all suck, I, you know, I like, would maybe rather watch an Avengers movie than Tenet. And I, 
if I got to pick which Avengers movie, yes, 100%. Yeah. If I just randomly got an Avengers movie, oh, it's like a half and a half. What's, a, what's an Avengers movie that you would that like you would say no to? That you would choose Tenet over? Oh, like Endgame Part 2. Like, that sucks. That's really, really bad. Really? Um, I thought everyone loved that shit. Everybody loves, like, the thing. It's like this moving moment where all the heroes come together and beat the bad guy. Like, that's cool, you know, I guess. And it's at I liked least its it, own thing. I liked okay? it better when it was, um, it was like Stacey Abrams yeah, so Ruth Bader and Ruth Bader Ginsburg doing it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, Andrew Gillum, maybe. <laughs> like, yeah, no. Um, but the rest of the movie is just like this weird bullshit. This kind of like, it's like Back to the Future Part 2. They're time traveling back to the earlier Avengers movies and hiding around the corner of the famous action sequences you love and remember. And then they sort of run through the aftermath and they go like, hey, check it out. I, I really punched that guy hard. And that is like literally the entire movie. That's Endgame? <laughs> Endgame Part 2. Endgame part I saw two. Endgame Part 2 because that's where Iron Man dies, right? Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking that it was pretty good, but I also haven't seen a lot of those movies. So like them like running through a clip show for me was probably like, that's cool. <laughs> right yeah 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 right whereas i had seen the fucking movie before and you know yeah it's just so stupid to me like it's so stupid like, I, was pro- I think i probably thought the general concept that like oh they can go back in time was really stupid um and it's like oh cool like there there's an easy way to like buy an out for like how you ended the other movie fine but oh wait can i can i speaking of time travel can i say right so we're talking about how the thing of this tenant is that they have this weird backwards time travel mm-hmm. thing and they posit at some point in the movie that there's like the future is attacking them, which I don't think ever actually happens. And then it doesn't seem to actually be what's going on. But um, they use the phrase in this movie, temporal cold war. They say there's a cold war, a temporal cold war. Okay, Ricky. The only other place I have ever heard that phrase in my life is it was a major part of the plot of Star Trek Enterprise. <laughs> was the temporal cold war there was like a whole season that was about the temporal cold war and like time fighting and time soldiers it might have even like two or three seasons that were all about this shit and and it's like literally everybody hates it it's like the worst star trek series of all time but i was like when i heard them say temporal cold war in this movie i was like are you fucking kidding me (laughs) like are you fucking kidding me is this movie lifting shit from star trek enterprise i bet i'm sure it is that's the dumbest shit I can possibly imagine. That is so fucking dumb. Um, all right, should we do this? Are we yeah, all, let's talk about fucking Lionheart. Are we Lionheart. all warmed up for Lionheart? Who's ready to... I think I'm fucking spent already, I think. I oh, well, okay, hold on. Maybe I should make one more quick drink, and then, and then, we'll, and then we can start Lionheart. He's trained to fight for his life. Now, he's fighting for revenge. Just tell him Joshua's here with somebody I think she'd like to meet. Sure you want to mess up that face, Hansel? They think it's a game. Hey, I got three to one against Lionheart. He's playing for keeps. 
But now, he's facing the ultimate challenge. That's him, a born killer. Not some bum we picked off the street. When this dude's already bad, they ain't bodies. I'll beat the guy, I have to. <laughs> the rules are simple. There's no rules. <laughs> the stakes are high. What I did tonight, I did for my family. You win. You live. Now what's it gonna be? You lose. You die. It's going to be simple. Van Damme is... Lionheart. So, how abreast are you with Jean-Claude Van Damme's ouvoir? His oeuvre? Is it oeuvre? I think it's oeuvre, but I don't know 100% for sure. Okay, his oeuvre. I think it would be like oeuvre. His oeuvre. His oeuvre, his river, yeah. Um, You know, Ricky, I got to tell you, really, I don't know shit about it. Really, I don't know shit about Jean-Claude Van Damme. Again, as we have often said on this movie, on this movie podcast, I'm a good boy. I don't like to watch bad boy stuff, and that includes basically all Jean-Claude Van Damme and Steven Seagal movies. Um, I don't think, I think I've seen Under Siege once. I don't think, I think these are bad boy movies, but was Bloodsport was that was that the is that really the only Van Damme movie that you had seen before this when we watched it in January last January two yeah, Januarys I think so. ago? I think so. What he's got like he's got like double double team or double trouble or what's the name of that one? With, he's got double um, impact and he's got and he's got double with Dennis Rodman. Well, right? no, there's du- there's double impact and then there's double where he's he has a twin brother. And then there's the one with oh, Dennis okay. Rodman, which I think is double team, but I could be getting this wrong. There's sudden impact that takes place at a hockey rink. That's like um, a beat the clock movie. There's blood sport. There's cyborg. There's time cop. Um, oh yeah. Which I'm yeah. thinking about going time back cop, and watching like time of. cop because yeah. someone recently said that time cop does better. What tenant tried to do. <laughs> this is really maybe your second or third Van Damme watch. Yeah, basically, yeah. This is my, and they're all all been as adults. Yeah, um, so that's my so, question you know, for my, you, right? Because I yeah. saw a lot of Van Damme when I was young, so they usually have a nostal like a nostalgic feeling for me, especially Bloodsport. Right. I will say Lionheart was not one of my favorites growing up, judging by the fact that I didn't, I don't remember ever watching it, and so coming into this one as an adult it wasn't one of my favorites in that i've never seen it before i mean i had to have seen it because i made my parents rent me every van damme movie when i was a little kid um which is why i'm a violent person these days (laughs) all you think is violence punk rock kill fuck um and also yeah i think those things as well as saving my brother's daughter uh (laughs) <laughs> saving her from like question mark yeah. like i don't know saving my brother's like be, just being a normal person in public school or something i don't you need to go away from these men um <laughs> go upstairs i need to talk to your mother um <laughs> so what was your what was your initial take how, how did how do you feel how did you, how do you feel watching the, with this one 
Well, yeah, you know, so having seen Bloodsport, I just, and you know, that also just being like the plot of Mortal Kombat, I had a really specific idea of like what a Jean-Claude Van Damme thing would be like. So seeing this movie, it was actually not at all what I was expecting. It reminded me a lot of like a Sonny Chiba movie. Like, I don't know how much how many of those you've seen, but like the plot of a Sonny Chiba movie, you know, he's this uh, action star from like Hong Kong, I think, mm-hmm. it is, right? He's like a martial yeah. arts action person from the 70s. And every Sonny Chiba movie is like, he's a big tough guy. And for some reason, there's like a little kid that he feels responsible for, or sometimes like a whole orphanage of little kids. And to protect them, he has to like beat up a bunch of bad people. And like, that's the plot of the movie. (laughs) And so I was like, oh, this is like one of those. Oh, and they're also extremely chaste. Like nobody has sex. You know, Sonny Chiba doesn't drink or like, he's like just a completely this upstanding paragon of of virtue. And maybe he like falls in love with like the beautiful girl. There's also uh, Walter Hill's Hard Times with Charles Bronson from like 76 that takes place during the depression and James Coburn is Bronson's manager and um, Bronson is like a, you know, going from like, you know, barn house to union hall fighting, um, uh, doing underground fights. Uh, it's a great, it's actually a great movie um, as opposed to Lionheart. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but so I was totally different than what I was expecting, and like I kind of loved it. I kind of did. I could. I uh, definitely thought it was stupid and like a you know, but it was like, I think it delivered. It like was very odd. I mean, obviously there were lots of weird decisions. I would love to talk to you about, um, but like it was kind of fun. It was are the and the other ones are like this but better. I think I'm going to watch all of them. You're gonna watch all of them. Well, if the other ones are like this, but they're like better. I mean, this was like pretty entertaining to watch. The other ones are like this, but better. I mean, the other good ones, right? The problem with... Like the one with the hockey rink sounds good. That one sounds good. Yeah. The problem with this one is that there's just not enough like bone breaking, you know? Like the... Oh, there's like zero bone breaking in this movie. Yeah, it's like overall, all in all, it's a fairly chaste um, uh, Van Damme movie. Yeah. Well, can we just start at the beginning? Because I have a couple of things I want to say about the very beginning of this movie. Yes. Because, like, this movie opens with Jean-Claude Van Damme being in the French Foreign um, Legion. Actually, no, that's not how it opens. <laughs> oh, right. Of course. Of course, Ricky, please. <laughs> You're movie, right. Of course. The, if, I, if I may. May I? Yes, please. No, please go Lionheart, ahead. Lionheart, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme and directed by Sheldon Ledich, who is the screenwriter for Bloodsport, and this is his directorial debut. Um, opens with a man in the midst of a drug deal that goes wrong. And by goes wrong, I mean that the other guys pour gasoline on the man and set him on fire. (laughs) Cut to, um, he's rushed to the hospital and his um, new affectless, characterless wife and their child, not new wife, but um, new character in the movie, and their like five or six-year-old child are waiting outside to see him and the doctor comes out and says, he's probably not going to make it. And she goes, okay, I'll go home. <laughs> like really with no fight whatsoever. At no point <laughs> is she like, I, I need to see him. He's my husband. I, I need to, I need to hold him. I need to see him. She literally just goes like, okay, I'll go home. And then as she's, okay, wa- yeah, as she's walking out this. And by the way, we see her husband who has, has his face burnt off yes. many times. And we know the kind of distress that he is in. And we know that he is still alive. You as know? she's walking out of the hospital, he sees her. She doesn't see him, I don't think. Um, and he starts moaning and screaming. And oh he is God. a charred, 
bloody mess. He looks like the fire victim version of uh, the 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 guy in Hellraiser who's hanging out in the attic to murder people so he can get skin on and meat on his body again. He looks like that. Yeah, he has no skin on his bo- on his face. Basically, it's like a definitely a hundred percent horrific. I mean, you're saying there's no bone breaking. I think this is the most graphic thing in yeah. the whole movie is this guy's face. Similar, similar. It's right at the top. Similar to Tenant. The 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 like the the best the coolest part of the movie is at the top, and then the rest you're kind of waiting for it to pick that back up or get more violent or more gruesome or more shocking than that, and it and it and it doesn't. Yeah, it re- yeah, <laughs> but so then like. It, not to just not to move on from this too quickly, no, but and then we then like cut to the French Foreign Legion, <laughs> a bunch of people, you know, the French Foreign Legion. You might remember from like a 1943 Bugs Bunny cartoon, <laughs> you know, the French Foreign Legion. <laughs> like, so JCVD is in the French Foreign Legion, and he's basically he's the brother of the guy that doesn't have any skin, and he's found out his brother, and they haven't even given him the letter saying his brother doesn't have any skin for like two weeks, and he's like, what do you say? He could be dead already. <laughs> and they're and they don't want to let him go, so he has to break out of jail. But see, it's not jail; it's that he's in the the French Foreign Legion. Like this whole sequence, I thought was insane because I think it alternates between assuming the audience has like a high level of literacy with what the French Foreign Legion is to like number two, just like completely not making any sense, being completely banana town. Because yeah. he just keeps like, like he escapes from being in the army <laughs> to go see his brother, and you're like. Wait, and he's like shooting at his like old friends, and like you're like, what is this good? <laughs> I don't think this is good. Doesn't he kind of escape quite easily too? Oh yeah, he escapes like incredibly easily. Like he just he like kicks punches a, a bunch of people. Yeah, he kicks like two guys in the face, and then hops in a jeep, and he's in America. Like he, yeah, these guys who like seemingly who seem to be serving in the military <laughs> with Jean Claude Van Damme have no idea how good he is at fighting, and they were like completely taken by surprise by this. He seemingly drives the jeep from Djibouti to New York City. Well, see, Ricky, I, I agree with you, but I also have to disagree with you because he actually drives the jeep to a fucking steamship. Oh, that's right, that's which right. He then he does, is yes. like. He's shirtless shoveling coal on a steamship in 1990. Yeah. And he's like, he's got his shirt. I mean, it's a great shot of him with his shirt off. Catherine was like, you know, it's great. He's got his shirt off right at the top. Oh, he's it's hot great. as fuck in <laughs> 1990. Know? I mean, or 1991. Like, this is great. prime. This is primo prime Van Damme period. The Coke hasn't really worn, worn him out yet. Yeah, he's looking good. At this point, he's looking fantastic. Yeah. And like, so I would, and then he's, there's a whole plot where he, they, they come up to New York and the, the captain's like, you're not supposed to be up here. Get down there and stoke my boilers. <laughs> and he, which I think is literally the line. And he's like, no, let's make a deal. And then he jumps <laughs> over the side of the boat and then it just cuts to him walking down the street in New York. <laughs> like they seem to be like a hundred miles off the coast of New York. And the next scene is him just walking down the sidewalk. And can we talk about um, the music that is played when he gets to New York? Because, and this is something that will maybe come up throughout the rest of the conversation, or maybe we'll just talk about it now. There is a wild variation of music in this movie that at <laughs> almost at no point seems like the correct selection for the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and specifically yeah, so I think that the score yeah I, this was much more your thing than my thing but yeah the score in the movie seemed to really bother you <laughs> like, it was just erratic like he shows up 
he shows up to New York and they go for straight up. They go for like Ellis Island Godfather two score. Right. It's like, it's like swelling music. It's like orchestral and it's, Almost he's walking sounds, down the street. The wind is blowing on him. He's a little wet because remember he swam there. It almost <laughs> sounds exactly like a god, like the Godfather. And then at other yeah. times in the movie, it's like saxophone, like seventies crime movie. And then at other times of the movie, it's like a a mid to late eighties hair metal inspiration song, Eye of the Tiger style. You know, like I think when he's yes, going to yes. fight. Uh, Attila, or maybe when he's like fighting a bunch of different people in a montage, you know, it's like, you gotta be tough, you gotta be strong, like that kind of stuff. And then at other times in the movie, again, it's like the orchestral swelling, and at other times there's like a jazz saxophone thing happening, like, or not. There's like a crazy, what we were calling the pretty woman montage, where someone takes him out to go shopping for clothes, and it's just like, Big pop songs like it's like guitar you know? solo. It's like it sounds like the the nine oh two one oh theme or something. <laughs> and he's like in all the boutiques on Rodeo yes! Drive. <laughs> yeah. Um but we'll get to that in a moment. But so like that song is playing and then somehow he stumbles into a um a uh, you know, like a street fight, right? Like a bum, it's like a bum fights videotaping. Yeah. It's like what it's like. Yeah, and he wins, and he meets his manager, who's played by the um, token black man in the movie. Who every piece of dialogue is like, "Motherfucker, did you not hear me, motherfucker?" No. And you're like, and it's like <laughs> it's it's a tough one because in a certain sense, like he is actually doing good. He like his acting is actually pretty it's good. Probably the best you know? in the movie. <laughs> probably the best in the movie and he does have a certain like gravitas to him and uh, he's like kind of a complex character where you're not quite sure what he's going to do but on the other hand it is just such a broad like racist stereotype yes. and you know it it's, makes it so difficult because it's like you, I'm really of two minds about what he's doing in the movie I mean you kind of have to just really let go of of our 2021 you know ideas about representation and per and in in movies and tv and just kind of go well at least this guy got a part and he did everything that he could with it you know hopefully he wasn't too didn't feel too demeaned he gets a lot of screen time you know and like good for him you know um the actor is actually i should look him up i mean let's let's at least give him something You did start to say his name. You went, who is played by Harrison Page. The token black. He's, you know? pl- he's played by Harrison Page, who um, Page. was in nothing else, really. I mean, a working actor still. Um, so he gets into a bum fight, right? <laughs> he meets his new manager, and then he's introduced to the woman who is like running these fights or is just like the lead she's like running these fights and running the numbers um but he but and they want him to stay so that he can fight more because he's so good but he goes he needs to go to la and he keeps saying it you know he keeps saying i have to go to los angeles i have to go to la um which by the way even by this point in the movie occasionally i would think to myself oh right he escaped the army he took a steamship across the Atlantic, and now he's been in New York for several days to see his brother who, like, he already thought was dead before he even left. <laughs> so I was like, he's kind of taking his fucking time, like, you know? And then he gets to L.A. How does he get to L.A.? Do you remember? 
Oh, well, it's after all this stuff we we haven't even talked about yet, all his New York stuff. It's because he makes so much money doing underground fights in New York. I thought he did one fight in New York and then went to L.A. Was that it? Well, I guess he made enough money at that one fight, you know? Because then he goes to L.A. and then we start getting the mon- the fight. Because then he goes, when he's in L.A., or maybe it's in New... Is it in New York when he says he'll fight? He's in the in the hotel that he gets put up in. No, because here's what happens. Okay. Um, no wonder we could. No wonder we hated Tenet. We can't even get the plot of Lionheart straight. Yeah, the plot of Lionheart straight, which is a very straightforward. The plot of Lionheart is I need to punch people to accomplish things, and that's like doesn't get more straightforward than that. So when he's in New York, first of all, it's like he needs money to get to Los Angeles, and they want to him to. Um, they want him to do more fighting. And he's like, no, no, I won't do any more fighting. And they're trying to convince him to do it. And they even, um, his manager takes him out and gets him drunk. And he wakes up in the bedroom of the sexy woman who is in charge of all the underground fights, who the first thing he sees her doing is a fucking lat pull, man. She's doing that lateral press pull down, like in the bedroom in her like sexy uh, 80s unitard. And she turns around with like a huge bunch of side boob and she's like, good morning. <laughs> this is... This is, by the way, like in contrast to Tenet, this movie. So this this kicks off this whole sequence of the movie where this woman is like so desperate to fuck JCVD for like a huge stretch right. of this movie. And, can we just and it's say being like so flirty. So hot. She's so she's hot. She's so hot. She's a crazy hot. And, and she's supposed to be this kind of this, like powerful 80s woman hot. And this guy has been in Djibouti in the desert with men for for how we assume like years, years for years and he's just kind of like yeah. i'm sorry but do i not for me what what like for what reason for what reason there's no reason I, I there's because she wants him to do the underground fights but guess what shithead he he wants to do the underground fights too well, at one so point like, he's like what he's not like better than at her at one point he says to her i am not your toy and it's like be her toy What's the matter like for he, like well, at least once? Like like literally, this fucking guy is a homeless illegal immigrant, and like a beautiful millionaire is like wants to fuck him and let him stay at his her house, and he's like, no, <laughs> what? Where are you even gonna sleep tonight, dude? Like, what are you doing? Like, she she's a millionaire. If you fuck her and then fight a couple times, she'll probably just give the the sister money, the sister in law money. Because yeah. the whole reason or you'll just have enough money, you can send her money. Do you know what I mean? Right. Because the whole reason he's going to L.A., which we haven't explained, is to meet up with his sister-in-law, his dead brother's wife, and their child. And to- but he doesn't know if he's dead or not yet. The brother might be alive. He doesn't know. Oh, and to like you know to meet them, but then he gets to L.A. and he decides to take care of them. Um, but this woman tries to f- is probably trying to fuck him for the first half of the movie. <laughs> If not more. And it's so cool because she is also giving a great performance because she's basically like, she exists in the reality of the viewer in a certain way because she's trying to flirt with this. She's on our side. She's flirting with this guy. She's like, I'm hot and I'm rich. And Jean-Claude Van Damme is saying stuff like, I'm not your toy. And she goes, come on, what's your problem? You know? And I was like, this is fantastic. I love this so much. I'm like rooting for this couple to get together because she seems to like interface with him as a person in this way that's like, oh, shut up, you big dummy. Like, come on over here, which is like really cute. <laughs> it's like, this, they're a good couple. They could be at this for the long haul. Um, but no, but yeah, he he's, uh, refuses to fuck her for some reason. He's a prude. Yeah, he's a prude. He's a prude. He doesn't prude. fuck anybody. Does he? 
It's very, but it's like the idea is she's the big criminal boss and she wants him to do criminal fighting, but he just wants to do it once to get enough money to go see his brother, which, yeah, so that's what happens. He gets the money and then he goes to LA and they're like, well, if you change your mind, let us know. And then he goes to LA and he goes to see the sister-in-law, but she doesn't want anything to do with him. She's like, what's this money from? Selling drugs? I got enough of that with your damn brother. And he's like, no, I swear. (laughs) It's from murdering people with my hands. It's totally different. Uh, And so then it's like, okay, so the whole animating thing of the movie to this point is, oh, and also he finds out his brother's dead. He gets to the hospital and they're like, oh, you missed it. He just died one minute ago. (laughs) He has these obviously fake tears going down his face. And he's like, yeah, he hold on because... I said I would always come to see him. <laughs> oh, that's right. There's like one of the things that I like about this movie is that it is um it's like so many of these movies of this period of time where it's like it's always and it's kind of like Warren Beatty's movies where they're led by this like very overconfident self-absorbed man who like clearly walks yes. onto the set of scenes and is like, "Oh, but you know, he'd probably she probably just wants to fuck me." Like, that's what's going on in this scene. And they're like, no, man, they're, she's talking about how, you know, she is a trade advisor to this person in a policy thing. And, like, they're trying to figure out how to get people. And he's like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the underlying thing yes, what is, is really going she on. wants to fuck me. Right? So it's like Van Damme shows up and it's like, okay, so your brother has died. And he goes, yeah, but he died because I wasn't there in time. Because he was trying <laughs> to live for me. And they're like... He's hold on, but and also because for my character, I did not make it. I said I would. He hold on for me, but I do not make it. It's heartbreak. And they're just like, is that what you want to say, Jean? Okay, fine, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> All right, yeah, let's go for it. Yeah, I don't give. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a line that does not make any sense. I mean, there's oh, but there's so a, so this all happens. Or no, go ahead. I was go just ahead. gonna say, I won't jump ahead to the moments, but there's a number of moments in the movie where which is another quintessential feature of these van damme movies and i think action movies around this period of time which is that the emotional like progression is always rushed and doesn't make sense so like one moment people don't like each other and then there's like a line and the next moment they're behaving as if they're family and it's just like extremely awkward (laughs) yes that definitely happens in this movie a hundred percent Where it's like, you're like, well, cause the, eventually the thing is like, he falls in love with the brother's wife, I guess. And they are in love with each other by the end of are the movie. They, they don't kiss. But it's like, you kind of, the movie leads you to believe there is something going on between them. Like with the way their eye lines are positioned, I guess. I don't know. Like, but you're like, why, what is going on here? I don't understand what's happening at I think all. My, I mean, do you, do you think I'm off base? Like, do you think they are actually not supposed to be involved? I don't know. They never kiss. And the movie shies from that because it's an extremely prude movie. And I think that Van Damme's character may actually be an incel or sorry, a vo- of like a voluntary <laughs> celibate. Uh, I'm not exactly yeah. sure why, but my favorite part of the entire movie is when she finally lets him become like, you know, a family. She takes his money and she accepts him, which she hadn't been doing for the majority of the movie. This is the sister-in-law. And the next scene is he is in the kitchen with her with groceries. And he says, and one more thing. I have a surprise for you. I don't want you going back to work anymore. (laughs) 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 Immediately is like, I take care. I take care of you now. You don't work anymore. 
She says, what are you talking? Hey, lady, you can stop work now. Okay, cool for you. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? I have to what go you, in tomorrow. I have a career. What do I you, have to go in tomorrow. I, I don't want you going back there. <laughs> it's like, and there has been nothing, nothing established in this movie about like her terrible work environment or no, something. No, there's been nothing know? established. But that's like so clearly the sort of mindset of either Van Damme or the screenwriter of the movie, which is that like, Okay, there's a man there now. A woman doesn't work. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it is 19... Like, we, I, we often talk about how, like, oh, my God, 1991, things were so different in terms of social mores. But this is a social more from, like, 1942. And it's like well, dude, I was going to say before, like, because of the whole fucking Foreign Legion steamship steamship shit, it's like, until about minute 20 of this movie, it could literally be taking place in 1943. <laughs> like, it's... Like what the fuck is going on? And yeah, like you're saying, it's very, very chaste. It's very weird. It's very like old fashioned. It's a very old fashioned movie. I mean, there was an um, earlier screenplay written by S. N. Warren, who um, wrote two movies that came out in 1990, and then oh, and then the movie was written by Sheldon Lettich and Jean Claude Van Damme. Oh, okay. VD now was, it makes sense. JCVD now was one of the sense. writers, baby. Oh yeah, this is him. He's like, this is what I always want to do in a movie. I think, <laughs> I think he, uh, he makes it so she don't work anymore. <laughs> because hey, who wants to work? Not me, man. <laughs> Sheldon, Sheldon, Sheldon. I think maybe my character tell her, you don't work anymore. I'm making the money. <laughs> and she say, what? <laughs> and then she, of course, she fall in love with me because she's hey, a she woman. She don't want to work. <laughs> she don't want to work. No, no, I provide for her. Yeah. <laughs> but wait, so this is what I wanted to fucking say. It was like, so the whole animating principle of the movie is I need to go see my brother. He might be alive or he might be dead. And he gets there. The brother's dead. And then he's like, well, hi, I'm your family. with my brother. And they're like, we don't want anything to do with you. Get away from us. He's never met these people before. And it's like, never. He doesn't, he's never, ever met them before. To me, this is minute like 49 of the movie. I was like, this is the end of the movie. Like this is the, nothing else needs to happen at this point. Everything that's been established has been wrapped up and this is it, you know? But it's then after this point, JCVD is just kind of like, well, I guess I have to provide for them now. And you're like, wait, why? Why do you have to provide for them now? I'm not really sure. It's like ancient Greece. Like when you have to get married to your brother's widow and provide for his children. Like, no, dude, you gave it a shot. Like she said to fuck off. Like I, you know, just go on with your life, you know? <laughs> but then he starts giving his manager money to give to her. So the manager shows up and he pretends that her right. husband had a life insurance policy and now he's giving her payments out of that life insurance policy. Right. But as far as I know, like, does he even have any reason to believe that they are poor? Um, I mean, they are. But oh, I mean, yes, I, but we do. Yes, 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 yes. Because some way. when he goes to visit them for the first time, he hears her landlord yelling at her. Oh, right, right. right and it's like right. one About of those great, yeah. it's one of those great scenes where like he shows up and he sees that his niece, this cute girl with like curly hair, this is a really adorable child. And um, he's, he's like, oh, it's you, you know, do you like to ride bikes? And uh, <laughs> upstairs we hear like the landlord being like, 
If you don't pay me by tomorrow, you're going to be out on your ass. (laughs) And she's like, I love my, I want to have a bike someday. I drew a picture of it. Right. And like Van Damme like looks up the stairs and like we see that he recognizes that, you know, there's money problems here. And that's when he goes back and he goes, okay, okay, I fight for you. I do it. I do. But I'll fight for you, but I will not fuck you. And then, so, and then this sets off the next, like, the rest of the movie, basically, like thirty straight minutes, I guess, of him doing fights, like at different, like, rich sociopath parties. This he goes on this circuit of these amoral rich people in Los Angeles, who all the all these fucking people do is go to mansions or like parking garages and watch guys like beat the shit out of each other almost to death. Like, which is completely unremarked upon in the movie, I feel like. But I was like, these fucking sociopaths, like, because there's always a crowd around them cheering if they're like, he's almost getting drowned in an empty pool, you know? And there's like a bunch of dudes in pinstripe dress shirts and wide ties going like, yeah, get him. They love it. They love it. Yeah, it was pretty fucking wild, dude. But like, I mean, did you think, I didn't think the movie had any commentary. I didn't think the movie had any commentary on the fact that like, this world of underground blood sport exists. Like well, it just one, was, was taken at face value. Well, one, it doesn't <laughs> exist. <laughs> it's a movie. <laughs> but, two, two, do you really want Van Damme's comment on, on this? I just mean it's like, dude, if you're gonna have, uh, I, it just seems so oh. repugnant and to you me. Know what? These like, crowds, it's like, it's like the crowd in, it's like in the ass to ass scene. That's like every scene in this movie. All the rich people throwing, and they all have wads of money. And wait, they're like, yeah, are you about, go are you for about it. The ass to ass scene in Requiem. Yeah, yeah. Was yeah, there exactly. a comment there? Because I thought that that was like, I didn't know that there, there was no comment there for me. I was just like, cool. <laughs> Yeah, that was the comment that it was super fucking cool. Keith David yeah. showed up and he was like, "As to as," and I was like, oh, "All right." Can you believe the? Uh, oh God, I forget her name now. What is her name? Jennifer the woman Jennifer Connelly. That movie. Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. Can you believe she did that? That's crazy, man. <laughs> she did another movie where um, she that her husband directed, where she got um, come shot on her face. She played a homeless. Yeah, she played. A, I saw the movie. She played. A, she plays a homeless woman, and she gives a guy a blowjob for money, and gets a cum shot on her face. And um, <laughs> cool. That sounds hot. I heard a. Is I, it like from? I heard a story from someone who worked on the crew, right? And um, the person who shot the cum on her face was like worked in props or whatever, and like the way that he did it was he was off camera and he like you know threw it at her face or like shot it out of something on her face you know and he was like really uncomfortable doing it and when the scene was over like her husband paul bettany walked over and he was like this is the guy who just shot cum all over my wife's face that fucking rules it's pretty great isn't it it's pretty great that's great. I mean, it's like you got to make it. Everyone's in an uncomfortable place. You got to make them feel better in some. In some and you way. know, we're all just doing make believe here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Okay, so yeah, so now he's in L.A. and he's trying to like get with his brother's wife, or I mean, he's trying to take care of her. She won't let him, so the manager's giving him money. Meanwhile, the woman who's running the fights totally wants to bone him still, and she's trying really she hard to bone him. him. So hard. she actually takes him to get some new clothes. There's a totally worthless scene in the movie <laughs> where she takes him to get new clothes, and at the end of the montage, he says no to them. <laughs> it's so worthless she i mean it's fun kind of but like she takes him to get these new clothes there's a whole like montage with the beverly hills 90210 yeah pretty woman montage yeah Yeah. he's trying on new things and she's like "Mm, you look hot Mm, you look great Mm, you look good Mm, mm," the whole time and then all of a sudden he's in the dressing room and she walks in and she grabs him by the dick and he rejects her and then does not and then says i like my clothes I don't like these clothes. And then he leaves. So what was the point of the scene? <laughs> oh my God, Ricky. Well, because it's like he's agreed to do the fights and it's like we're seeing him, you know, he is becoming her toy now. Do you know what I mean? Like he is becoming her toy and this is him establishing a boundary and saying like, I'm just doing the fights. We're not going to fuck and I'm not going to dress how you want me to dress and so, like, hang out with you at all your dumb parties. Like that guy, the other guy who we haven't even talked about, the guy from like the X-Files, that giant jawed monster. Yes, who cannot that's act. Like, yeah, he's awful. He's literally but he had a somehow worse he's than in Van every, He's in every science fiction TV show from like 1998 to 2007. Like every single one of them. Um, but like, yeah, he sucks. But it's like you get the feeling like that would be who Jean-Claude Van Damme would be. Like, he's just always hanging out with her, you know. That He's like her paid pretty boy. That guy is named Bri- yeah, Brian like, the Thompson. Fuck? Brian Thompson? Is it Brian with a Y? Uh, no. Uh, spelled okay. normally. Well, that's something. And he least. was in Cobra, Mortal Kombat, Annihilation, The Terminator, uh, Dragonheart. Looks like he's still making stuff. Uh, what else was yeah. he in? He was in... Um, Alien Nation, the TV show, <laughs> the X Files, he right? Some, he's the, he was in the X Files. He's in right? some next gen episodes. Uh, he was in Alien Nation, the oh, movie. Yeah. Uh, he was in a movie called You Talking to Me. <laughs> uh, oh, it looks like he was in the Terminator. He was like one of the punks in the Terminator. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, like the original Terminator. Yeah, I wonder if he was the yeah in the original Terminator. I know that like the punks in the beginning of the movie are Bill Paxton and other people. Maybe he's the one. I don't think Bill Paxton says it, but one he was he was also in Joe Dirt. One of the punks like flicks the switchblade up and goes "fuck you, asshole," and that's why. And you know Arnold Schwarzenegger's like "fuck you, asshole." Or is that Terminator Two? I don't remember, man. I don't know, dog. How are you doing over there? <laughs> you sound so lost and depressed about the plot of the Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> I was just at a moment where I was like, I, I don't know. I'm get, I'm going down. I'm going down lonely roads right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, well, let me say one thing. I really liked. Like, we can move on to the. We can like wrap it up in a minute. I mean, basically, can... <laughs> like this is it. I mean, it's a, the plot of the movie is he does a bunch of fights. I mean, what if there is no plot? I mean, I, the plot of the movie is the fight choreography. 
and I did want to talk about one of, so I mentioned already the one that they had in this, um, a band, like empty pool. And they're like, JCVD is getting drowned very. And if the guy who's fighting him has like very long hair. And if I remember correctly, they're wearing matching yes, outfits. They are. That's the one moment where the fight, where a fight is cool in this movie. Like all the fights are kind of bland. And then all of a sudden that fight scene happens and they show up wearing like matching, like unitards or something, right? Like yeah, unitards. They're like wrestling leotards, but then they're also wearing like tights. Yeah, and it's like, why are these guys in the same outfit? Where are they? That's the only moment where a fight is cool. Otherwise, and all of the fights are bad. It's supposed well, so to be no, like talk- Bloodsport, but in Bloodsport, the fights were all of these like pre, um, like before the fight, all the characters had been at least referenced. You know, it's like where this movie really fails is that right. there isn't a scene at one point where they're like telling you who these like these other fighters are going to well, be. Well, there's the one at the very end with Attila. Yeah, and that's why that's the best <laughs> fight scene. Like, that's why that's the only fight scene of the movie that really works. Like, they should have consistently been like giving you like a blip of who these characters were. Like, so there was something go- like otherwise they're just. It, there's there's just random people that he's fighting. There's no character. And it's just like a video game, and yeah. it's like a video game from. It's like Mike Tyson's Punch Out. It's like a contemporaneous video game. No, but you know? I would. I mean, I I disagree with you solely based off the fact that Mike Tyson's Punch Out had uh, stereotypes to at least create characters. Right? There's Glass yeah, Joe. Yeah, and I will say the names of the the names of the fighters in Punch Out told you something about yes. what it was like to fight them. Where that doesn't happen in this movie because they don't even have names most no, of the exactly. time. No, exactly. They don't even have names. They show up and it's just like a guy with long hair. It's just like another guy, another guy, and that's it. And another then all guy. of a sudden, yeah. Attila this gets guy fights kind of different. That's it. Yeah. They don't. Well, even... what I wanted to say about the one when they're in the leotards and the unitards is like. Very early on, the other guy gets pushed in this. There's a little bit of water. And when he comes up, he does that like supermodel Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue thing where he flicks his long hair back and all the water comes off. And this he does this like three times in the fight. And then JCVD is in the water too and they're wrestling around. And I was like, are they going to fuck? Like, this is extremely sexual. <laughs> I, I, found, I found that fight extremely sexual. In a way, like a, a lot of the other ones weren't, but I was like, this is very weird. Because of and, the outfits? And also it crossed my mind at this point, like, so these rich people pay all these people to fight each other to death. Like, they never pay them to fuck each other. Like, that's never come up, you know? Like, it seems like maybe that would come up, you know? Yeah, that's true. Like, because at this point, you're you're already at violence, right? And, like, paid, pay, paid sex work is definitely, like, pre-violence. It's way more normalized, I would say, than, like, paid violence wouldn't it be great like getting two people to come to your party and fuck each other is like you could just do that wouldn't it be great that's pretty if there was like one moment in this movie where like a fight was about to happen and someone suddenly like ran in and stopped the fight and was like wait 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 what if instead i paid you guys to (laughs) fuck (laughs) like everybody in the everybody in the scene all the extras who are like there for a fight like they're like pause and then they're like Boo. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, I think in my version they would do it. They would be they would in my version all the extras would go like, huh. Oh, yeah, all the extras in your version would be like, you can do that? We can do that? Fuck, 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 fuck. Somehow fuck, that literally fuck. never occurred to us. Like Um Yeah, but anyway, that was a deeply erotic fight and I couldn't I couldn't believe that it was stayed at the level of subtext, you know? Yeah. The amount of times he was flicking water off of his hair like Bo Derek. I was like, 
This is an explicitly sexualized move, especially in 1991. This is the kind of thing like only Kathy Ireland does. Yeah, there's a moment where the guy guy is doing it. Goes into the water and then comes out in slow motion and throws. Exactly. Even I in that moment was like, "Oh, male model calendar, what's going on here?" (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what do you mean, even I? What is that supposed to mean? I just mean I'm straighter than you. That's all. You just mean you're straighter than me, exactly. That is exactly what you mean. No, 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 sorry. I didn't mean like even I. I mean, I meant like I as well. <laughs> suddenly got hard. Fuck you, whatever. I Whatever, fuck you. I as well was suddenly like, whoa, shit. What's going on in my pants? Is It's moving. <laughs> yeah, it's hot. I mean, what can you say? It's hot. It's hot, you know? So then like the plot, as you said in a text message to me, the plot kind of stops for about 35 to 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and this is when he um oh the foreign legion people like sometimes i feel like i can't write a screenplay and then i see a movie like lionheart and i'm like oh yeah just like stuff happens you know the foreign legion people are chasing him at this point and then his sister-in-law allows him because at first she doesn't want anything to do with him because she thinks for kind of unexplained reasons that he had something to do with her husband being involved in drugs um and but then she lets him in and within seconds, as we said before, he is like, he has, he and his manager have bought her groceries and he's suddenly telling her like, you're not going to work anymore and I'm going to take care of you. And like, then all of a sudden there's that great scene where they're like sitting in the park together and he's like, we're going to get out of the city and leave everything behind. And it's like, dude, she doesn't, she doesn't know you. Like, what is it? Know you, and she like she lives here. You know what I mean? I know you just got here, but like, it's like where her fucking stuff is, man. Yeah, she, like maybe she doesn't want to leave. She's just stoked for him to save her. <laughs> um, oh my God. And then Attila gets brought in, who's this big guy that he's gonna fight, and uh, that guy. Everybody is betting against Van Dam because Attila is a pro and he's been doing it forever and he's massive and he's got a golden eye style cat that he carries around with him. Uh, right isn't that golden eye oh and at, at, this is this is they posit this as like the big money fight and so when this starts happening in the movie this goes from like literally they were fighting in an abandoned pool and in a car garage and for this fight they have like a way in where the media is there and there's like stands and like people taking photographs and i'm like wait what the fuck is this now like what this is is this real are they just doing a real fight like what yeah, suddenly it's like UFC and... Uh, suddenly it's UFC, yeah, exactly. Dana White is there. Isn't that his name, Dana White? They literally like do a weigh-in where they're like making fun of each other. And like earlier in the movie, he's like beating someone's teeth out underneath a bridge. And you're like, this is the same circuit, you know? Um, And then the fight happens and, you know, it's... it's I I've seen... I've read online people say this is the best one of Van Damme's better fight scenes and it's still not great. There's it's just like a long No, it's not. fight where the guy beats on Van Damme and then Van Damme comes back and beats on him and then he has a moment to like kind of punch him to death in the end and he says it's you know, he does like the classic hero, he's not even worth it. Uh and then he gets out and then the legion the foreign legion guys arrest him but they feel for him. And so there's this long scene where like he has to say bye to the family. And uh, while he he gives this big monologue to the uh, <laughs> to the daughter, <laughs> where he's trying to tell her about life, and he says, 
she's crying because he has to go away and he goes life is cruel and stupid and dumb and sometimes it's just it's it's it hurts and uh i just loved hearing van damme say life is stupid <laughs> <laughs> life is stupid life is stupid um and then he uh gets in the car but then they let him go and there was like no reason for them to take him because they don't even like concoct a plan I don't think they just kind of let him out of the car. So it's almost like a psych. Like they were just like doing a doing a joke on him. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, Ricky, like what you're talking about is like, so right, these people from the Foreign Legion, which is again, jail, question mark, have chased him to another continent to make him rejoin the army, question mark. And um, sorry, the movie's called Lionheart. It's like kind of a joke on his name being Leon. And they start calling him Lionheart. But Ricky, during the final fight with Attila, what he displays is the true heart of a lion, where he refuses to stay down, and he won't give up, and eventually he wins. So witnessing this, these two goons from the French Foreign Legion are powerless before they, they're, you know, they, they're cheering for him against their, against their better judgment. They're, you know, during the fight, they're screaming, Lionheart, Lionheart. And so then they, they yeah, they do take him into the car for a bit of a psych, and they're like, Actually, just get out, go, <laughs> you know, because they just respect his lion heart so much. Yep, it was how I read it. But like, why do they arrest him? Still, right? Why did they arrest him at why all? Do, You're I right. Mean, it was mostly, just for a why psych. do they? It was force, just for a psych. It was just for a psych. Why do they force this child to go through a traumatic event where a man that she just recently met and has no relationship to, but is very emotional over, is pulled away from her? I mean, none of the yeah, there's, well, there's just like could... no, there's like literally none. None of this stuff makes sense, right? Because it's like first and <laughs> foremost, why is this little girl so upset that he's leaving? She has no relationship with this man. Two, well, you know, Ricky, I'm gonna posit that this little girl whose father was a drug dealer who was burned to death is like kind of in need of a father figure, so she's just taking it where she can get it, you know. It's a weird way to put it, but sure. Um, <laughs> and. And then he gets in the car and they drive a block away and they're like, all right, man, get out of the car. You're out of here. And he goes, oh, and then he runs. And then the music swells back to the sort of Godfather-esque music that was playing when he arrived in New York, which, again, has not played at all in the movie since that scene. It's been a completely different score since then. And he comes running up the hill in L.A. and, like, you know, grabs the little girl like it's his daughter when it's not his daughter and they barely know each other. It's very, very weird. But, yeah, it's like the little girl is, like, he's done it all for her, for this little girl. Done what? Fight people? That's it? Yeah, fight, fight beat the shit out of all these weirdos for these perverted rich people um, so that this little girl can, like, get a bike, you know? I want a movie about the perverted rich people. I think I'm, I'm, you said this at the beginning that like, there's no commentary or anything on the fact that these people have these weird bum fights. And like, I, I mean, bum fights with very, you know, trained bums, but, uh, I would like that. And you're right. Even a movie like this, you know, by the end, the main character, Van Damme or whoever else is playing it, would have a moment where they say, you know, like, what you're doing is wrong, and I'm not going to take part exactly. in this anymore. And exactly. 
somehow they would like take they would like blow up the place where the fights happen you know what i mean and they would be like you won't be doing no more fighting (laughs) you know (laughs) but but i think that's because it's going off of the blood sport model and not realizing that like in blood sport it's in a foreign country it's like you know like there's no it's like a tournament yeah and there's no place for western judgment in it right and like everybody is yeah. everybody is like signing up for it whereas with this yeah it's like every it's like a a lot of poor people fighting for wealthy people and which they is literally kind of have all them, that american like, holding fistfuls of money in every scene the people who are yelling at them and it's like it does seem like it's trying to say something but it's also not at all saying anything you know and well, I, I feel like we should like clarify like we're not trying to say say something in the sense that it should have a message in the movie but like it is not good to throw money at people who are physically assaulting each other. <laughs> <laughs> Though it's just a hazard. Like, you know, it, you know, you're going to slip on it. It's going to like blind you for a second. Like, it's just a bad. Though it's one could argue. <sighs> Though one could argue that that is what boxing and UFC already are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, but that's just, you do the gambling beforehand. You don't throw the money at them. This is really like uh, this so, this movie I'm just going to say is the problem with this movie is that it ha- for me is that it has so many of the hallmarks of what make these Van Damme, Schwarzenegger, um Stallone movies of this time great but it's missing certain key propo- key like key aspects that make them really great that make them fun rewatches that make them party watches like i would never watch this again nor would i gather a group of guys like fucked up to like watch this movie together it's just not fun enough um yeah right there's not like a big karate move that's like so cool to see you know and you all go whoa like there's not even that or just like or like you know in blood sport you've got the villain who is the, uh, the the villain from, um, who's actually from Enter the Dragon, right? Who shows up and is like, you know, very good, but brick, no hit back. And he like breaks a guy's neck or, you know, in, in Commando, you have Dan Hedaya and you have the, the Australian guy in the chainmail vest, you know, running around and being villains and being silly and Schwarzenegger's killing like hundreds of people all the time throughout the whole movie. <laughs> You just don't have anything. Like, the fights aren't that great. They're not shocking. There's no bone breaking. And there's nothing really, like... Because they're trying to be, like, a little more real, like, real street fights. But that just means... I, I think they're trying to be like Are that, they? Because they're not. They're like, boring. They're just, like, boring, you know? The other guys are just trying to punch JCVD. And then he, like, kicks... Does, like, spin kicks on them. Yeah. You know? He does his spin kick move. Um, and that's it. That's every fight. Let's do it. Let's get to it. What's your favorite part of the movie, bro? Let's get to it. Hey, so, dog, this is, like, not a real answer to this question, but it's something I wanted to talk about. <laughs> so, like, this is my answer. Did you not have time? My favorite thing is so... Have we not had time no, for you to talk about things? <laughs> yeah, if only we had had more time to get into some shit. Um, the little girl who we keep talking about, she is this, like, extremely, like, adorable little girl. Like, she played Annie in a TV movie. Like, she has that kind of person. Uh, and she's a, did a bunch of stuff as a little kid. She was in Roseanne. She was in uh, Growing Pains and like a bunch of other stuff. 
but she's obviously like still alive, you know? So the, we, I was looking her up and I was trying to figure out what I knew her from. So I was clicking through her photos on IMDb. And the first thing I noticed was that there was 215 of them. And I was like, that's like unusually large amount of photos. And I was like, but I'll just click through and I'll, I'm sure I'll find one of her from a kid and I'll remember what it is. So I'm just clicking and clicking and clicking. There are at least at least 200 of these 215 photos are just stills of her on blind spot, which is like the one thing she did as an adult, which I have to assume is part of some kind of weird, like SEO strategy that she hired some kind of firm to do to like Google bomb images of her so that they're her as an adult and not her as a child. Cause she's like trying to get away from that. But I was just sitting while I was watching this movie, clicking endlessly through still photos of her doing things on blind spot. Like, I think I saw the plot of several full episodes, like just clicking through all of her fucking IMDB pictures. Um, so yeah, that was probably my favorite part of the movie was the little girl. Yeah, it was the little girl's IMDb page currently, yeah. Therefore, I don't think a successful movie, if your favorite part was looking at a character's, IM, uh, uh, one of the actors, the child <laughs> actors in it, IMDb page. I would say that my favorite part of the movie was, uh, hold on one second. Uh, I would say, <coughs> I would say that my favorite part of the movie was Harrison Page. Oh, was that the woman? No, Harrison the, the Page woman. was Joshua, the manager. I also like that. Oh, right, right, I also right. like that the manager's name was Joshua. <laughs> I like, could not come up with a better name than Joshua. Like it just sounds like a name. His name is Joshua. Write it down, Sheldon. Write it down. His name is Joshua, and it's like that's the name of our <laughs> the the cool like the the street tough manager Joshua. Okay. Um, dude, I, dude, European people are fucking crazy. Dude. They're like, so I bet this weird. Was extremely meaningful to him. <laughs> they're like, so and his name weird. Was Joshua, um, dude, people from Belgium, Belgium are fucking crazy, man. Like, <laughs> um, and I just like that guy. I liked Harrison Page's performance. It's the most lively performance in the movie, um, and it's and and it's fun. And I'll I'll add on top of that another favorite thing was um. Ashley or uh, Deborah Renard, the woman who plays Cynthia, who is just yeah, this woman babe. that was incredibly hot. Yeah, Maybe a Majora. she's got like short blonde hair, which we didn't say before. She actually looks a lot like Elizabeth Debicki in Tenant, but like way hotter, like a thousand percent hotter. Yeah, because the movie's actually trying to show you that she's an attractive person. And she's being sexual, or, you know, even though she is never naked and never. There's no love scenes or whatever. She just has like a lot of magnetism coming off of her. I'm almost that is completely absent. I'm almost positive that Christopher Nolan has like never thought about sex in his life. <laughs> it's just so weird. He's got. I mean, he's got like... four children. Also, he. I mean, he's thought about it at least four times. At I least guess, four right? times. <laughs> But it was, like, to achieve the goal of making children. It was, like, you know, they had, like, a lot of, like, data tracking things going on. And they were, like, She's, today. Today is the day you're ovulating at, at exactly 3.22 p.m. If we don't, if I don't have an orgasm exactly between 3.22.02 and 3.22.58, we're never going to have a kid. It's weird because his younger brother, Jonathan, who writes, like, Westworld, like, looking at him, a picture of him, I'm, like, oh, yeah, that guy fucks. 
And like thinking of Westworld, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that guy totally fucks. Yeah, Westworld is sexy. I mean, right, yeah. Uh, it gets something about the nature of desire, you know? Yeah, whereas like Nolan, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. What did you think the most 90s part of this movie was, Ricky? That is tough because this is an 80s movie through and through. It is 100% an 80s movie. Um, I agree. I mean, uh, this is hard. This is this really is an 80s movie from beginning to end. I don't, I don't have anything. Yeah, I mean, my thing is like, I just the way that like JCVD's wardrobe is like he's wearing high waisted denim pants with uh, like a t-shirt tucked into it and like another shirt on top of it. Like that's, you know, but that is also very late eighties, you know, but it's like high waisted acid wash denim. I mean, it is all, it's very early nineties, you know, it was, it was like fantastically early nineties to me. Like I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed that. A lot of made, a lot is made of his clothes actually in this movie, not just the sequence you were talking about, but there's a whole thing where he's like, where are my clothes? (laughs) And the sexy lady is like, Oh, I had my maid burn them. And he's like, no, my clothes. Yeah, I guess the mo- I guess like, I guess the pretty woman montage is very nine is is feels like a '90s thing, right? Like that's a thing that that's a yeah. that's the kind of montage that we see in '90s movies as well as like aughts movies. I can't really think of one in an '80s movie, but I'm sure it exists. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I we keep, I kept calling it the pretty woman montage, I feel which like is that a '90s like movie. The earliest, but I yeah, exactly the earliest version I can think of. Pretty woman was. 1990. It was like 92 no, it was or... 1990. Oh, was it? So okay. it was before this. So they definitely did a. Uh, they were definitely ripping off Pretty Woman for this. That's so interesting because they're. It is weird because they are presenting him as the subject of desire, but they are having him negate that desire, and you just have to wonder, like, why? Like, what is the psychology of what is going on with this? I mean, I guess it goes all the way back to like cowboy stuff and like James Bond stuff where it's like, she's like a bad lady. So you shouldn't have sex with her, I guess. I mean, I mean I that's think the that's only thing I can is. think. I think that's exactly weird, what it's it is. Very weird. Um, what did you think? What do you think we've grown out of since this movie came out, Ricky? Um, I would probably say... I mean, the easiest thing to say is that um, the manager's character wouldn't be token, tokenized so much and behave such like like such a, a tokenized character. Um, right, he would be like worldly, and JCVD would be the hick, the hayseed. Sure, like you know, he would be Kevin Hart, you know, and he would be like, "What the fuck's wrong with you, man? Like, act normal." Yeah, you know, like whereas, but I actually that's yeah. not what I actually want to go with here. I want to say that. We would we've grown out of like the chaste male, the chaste lead, like he would have in a contemporary movie, fucked that woman. See, I don't know if that's true. I mean, I think I think movies like this are still really chaste. Like we talk about this on the show, like The Rock, like The Rock doesn't fuck anybody. That's that's true, but those are that's a different. But like, I don't think. Women, like the Rock movie, there's no sex in the Rock movies. They're like, no one's trying to fuck the Rock. Even Jason Statham, like, I guess, does he, he fucks like sometimes, but he doesn't really fuck that much either. But this is not, like, I will say, here's my argument. 
90s movies immediately grow out of this. Whereas 90s movies feature, like 80s movies were kind of sexless, right? There was like love interests, but they were mm-hmm. mostly sexless. And then all of a sudden in the, ni- in the 90s, you had <coughs> like sex pots <coughs> that there had to suddenly be a sex scene in the middle of the movie, right? Like yeah, Fair yeah, Game yeah. with William Baldwin and Cindy Crawford is one of the best examples of this where it's like, they're in the middle of being chased and then and they're like on a on a train in a train car. They've just gotten away from the bad guys and like r- suddenly they start fucking. And like And wait, do you mean the the, the getaway? Is that no, what you're I mean fair about? game. William Baldwin, oh, not okay. Alec Baldwin. William Baldwin. Because this is like almost exactly the same thing that happens in the getaway with Alec Baldwin right. and Ken and Basinger. That's that's another example that's another good example of this, right? Where it's like which also like sidetrack. The fact that Alec Baldwin never gets taken seriously for anything when in the 90s he made like oh a God. fucking like B-movie remake uh, solely <laughs> solely to do graphic sex scenes with his wife on camera is so fucked up and like <laughs> fucking narcissistic and like Hollywood. And for him to ever be able to consider himself critical of like tabloids or anything like that, it's like my god dude (laughs) who do you think you are (laughs) like you play directly into this um but anyway uh there was like a whole and like even van damme has this movie maximum risk which is the first one that i can think of i'm sure there are others with natasha henstridge where they're on the run and they fuck in the middle of being on the run suddenly they're in a hotel room and they fuck in the bathroom so there's like the 90s suddenly became this period of time where like the love interest, or he has a movie called Nowhere to Run with um, Rosanna Arquette, where they fuck. Uh, there, the '90s, like these movies, suddenly the 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 they there would not be they would not be this chaste for the male lead. It is interesting too because like uh, this thing where like because obviously there there aren't sex scenes like this in action movies currently. I don't think you know. Certainly not sex scenes. Maybe they they imply they have had sex with someone occasionally, but there's the Fast and the Furious. I think are the most like, you know, they like to put hot women on display in the Fast and Furious movies. But like, you know, there was always someone like shaking their butt in booty shorts before like a big race, you know. But even those, there's not like really that much sex in those movies. <clears throat> but what I love about having having these sex scenes in these action movies, like we're talking about. I mean, if, you know, if you're positing this world in which these people are, like, risking their lives and murdering other people and, like, racing cars and shit, I mean, like, of course they would fuck. Like, those are the people that fuck. Like, they would definitely be fucking. Like, yes, while they're, like, in the middle of running away from getting murdered by someone, they probably really would fuck, you know? Because it's, like, that's just, like, the it's like the speed of their lives, you know what I mean? So I, like, I actually really like that. I love that. Love it. Love, love it. it, dog. Um, um, I think for me, I mean, it would probably have to be the shit. I mean, not to wait. I mean, go ahead if you had more. No, no, go ahead. I mean, this is lame because we already talked about this, but I think this whole thing where like there's just this world of like blood sport, rich people fights that goes completely un- unremarked on. I mean, I think that is like something we have grown out of. I think there would be something directed at that, that, you know, like, like everything we were saying, they would end up somehow destroying the, the ring of fights or something if this movie was made today. But in this world, it's just like, like you're saying, it's like a blood sport model. It's like, oh yeah, they're just, 
is all these awful people that pay people to murder each other for their amusement. And, you know, that's just that's just the way it is. You know, like, I feel like there would be some kind of commentary on that if this movie was made Right, today. there'd be some kind of greater commentary, even if it was very, like, cornily posited or, you know, like, b- tacked on to some sort of speech at the end. Or, you know, the woman, yeah. the woman who's running it would have, like, told Van Damme or his manager something in confidence at one point or like sort of like laid into them and they recorded it and played it over a a loudspeaker at the end of the fight. Oh, and like the foreign legion people arrest her instead of him. Exactly. They bring, but instead in this movie, the foreign legion people just want to watch the fight, which I kind of, I kind of appreciate (laughs) it. And they, even she's like, well, of course they're like, we want to watch. And she's like, okay, great. Come to the fight. You I know? enjoyed that. <laughs> I did too. Yeah, I did. I thought it made sense in the world of the movie. And it was a funny also. But in the world of the movie, for that to also make sense, it, the movie should be bloodier. It should be more fucked up. There should The fighting should be more graphic. And it's just not. Yeah, like you said, there's no broken bones. There's no nobody gets their eyes plucked out, you know. Nobody even gets like their finger bent back or something. It's just like big punches and kicks to the middle of the body. I would like to remake this. Go, I would like to remake this movie yeah. and make it extremely violent where like people get kicked in the teeth and their fucking teeth fall out and there's blood all over the ground and uh, they yeah, get like, you know, like you said eyes get gouged out and like bones get broken over like shoulders. I would love to make that oh, movie. Oh dude, this would be great. You could get um like 2000 11 Ryan Gosling to star in this movie, you know, where it's like Have you seen that movie? Him You're specifically referencing Only God Forgives. Yeah, I've seen that movie. Yeah. That movie is great because it's not what I'm talking about at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's very different than this, but it's like the same kind of capacity for violence, you know, that he had in all those movies. But everyone went into that movie thinking like, "Oh shit, this is going to be a movie about like an underground tie fight scene." And then it was like a meditation on like f- an Oedipal complex <laughs> with like a little well, bit of violence. Of course, cause it's coming off of drive and you know, like it was playing off of that whole thing, but playing totally against it. It was, you know, it was a very, very weird. I don't think it hit like people expected it to hit. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, no one is as good at burning money as Nicholas Rifen. Like, Oh my God, dude. I mean, you've seen neon demon. I love you know? neon demon. Like, and oh my god! And I loved his Amazon show, Too Old to Die Young, which I thought was a fucking masterpiece. Fucking, like twelve hours of just the camera slowly rotating around a room of tough guys. Oh my like, god! Yeah. So fucking good. And William Baldwin callback is in that as well. Yeah. Um, oh my god. Have you watched it? Dude. I I watched like a lot of that, but it was way too much. I fell asleep every time I watched it. I would like have to restart the episode. I restarted some of those episodes like five times to try to watch them. And then I would fall asleep again. Each of the episodes is like two hours plus, yes. And there's like 12 episodes. Yes. And, and they, oh, there it will literally be a 10 minute sequence of just the camera doing a rot like rotating around. the Give room. it to me. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so hard to watch. Like as someone who loves his movies in a certain way, like, but also hates them in a certain way. It was it was so much him. It was so much him. Just burning Amazon's money. Just like, I th- I think it's shit. like the most radical one of the most radical pieces of art, like made <laughs> by a mainstream, like funded by a mainstream company. 
in well it was from this period where they were giving money to creators the streamers were giving money to creators because they all wanted like a house of cards or something and amazon had this idea where they were giving money to like famous directors and with zero oversight literally zero oversight and so like woody allen is making like shitty romantic comedies set in 1945 and what nobody gives a single fuck about and then nicholas winding ruffin is making like a 30-hour miniseries about, like, pulling out someone's tooth, you know? It's, like, completely fucking deranged, you know? And it's, like, only in this time could this thing exist. Yes. And Amazon buried it immediately. Oh, yeah. Like, it was never, it was like, like, on the front page of Prime. Like, no one... The only people who saw it were people looking for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or they had to have some, like, very deep algorithmic knowledge about you. Like, you had seen literally every one of his other no movies, one, you know? Like, no one, uh, no one did press for it. <laughs> so weird. Did you try to get him to come on, like, a build or something? Yeah, but, like, he wasn't doing anything. Miles Teller wasn't. No one was doing anything. That's so weird. There must have been some kind of internal... Pol- they must have hated it and, like, almost not even aired it or something. Like, Hey, you know what, Chris? Uh, I think Lionheart, one of the lesser Van Damme movies of one of the better Van Damme periods, and I'm going to say um, you don't have to watch it if uh, if you don't want to. If you want to watch Van Damme, you should go watch Bloodsport. Totally agree, Ricky. It was fucking dumb as shit. But, you know, kind of fun in its own way. And at least had the decency to get in and get out in not too much time. That is true. And the best part of the movie is him telling um, a woman that she doesn't have to work anymore. Because he's right. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, everybody. (laughs) 